Hello and welcome back to the Valencia Property Podcast. This is uh, episode nine of season two. We're into March 2023, which means we're into Fias in Valencia, which is the big month of lots and lots of fiestas and fireworks and bangs and things called mascletas. It's um, it gets hectic. So um, yeah, if you're coming over from the 15th to the 19th of March, uh, don't expect to be taken out to see properties because we're essentially closed. Um, but the rest of the month is quite noisy as well. So today we're doing two things in the podcast. We're continuing with our full guide to saving as much money and hassle on your Valencia property purchase as you can. And we're also looking at the worst properties we have taken people to see over the last year or so. Remember though, we don't like taking people to see crap properties. So your question has to be, why on earth did you take someone to see them, right? Well, as we often say, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Or even a pencil must be lead if you're Laurel and Hardy fans. These in every case were properties that the clients had insisted they wanted to see. Favourites on Idealista, things that another agent or friend had suggested that they just had to see, or something that an agent came up with to show them because they were holding the key after they'd just seen the property we really wanted to see. So before that, let's take a look at our latest blogs from the month and what's been happening since we put out our last regular pod, because since then, we brought out our podcast guide to the Digital Nomad Visa, which you might have heard. You can find it in the show notes if you haven't. We start February with the mindset change of living outside the city. This is where we investigated what you need to change in your thinking to decide to buy a place outside the city, rather than going for city apartments themselves. We also showed you in this why some places might well be overpriced, using an example of a property well, we know really well. We then went on to a long and dry article explaining every part of the Valencia property deposit contract. Many people have asked us to do this in the past, so now you have a ready reference explaining everything to do with the deposit contract, so you actually know what you are signing and how it protects you both as a buyer and a seller. The podcast followed, and then we went into speculation that the Golden Visa might be seeing its last days. Since we wrote that, there's been a little more movement, and the European Union is looking to end the practice of Golden Passports by 2025 and regulate Golden Visas. Now, Golden Passports are different to Golden Visas because Golden Passports is citizenship by investment, whereas Golden Visa is residency by investment. So. What the European Union are looking to do is stop people coming from, let's say, less desirable countries, such as Russia, China, etc. Um, so what they're thinking of doing is charging a levy on the granting of a golden visa. So you pay for it. Probably the requirement to actually become resident in the country that gives you the golden visa as well, which you currently don't need to do. So if you're thinking of doing it, if you're thinking of getting the golden visa, then it might well be the time to accelerate that process a bit. The last article of the month talked about why that property is still for sale and the myriad number of reasons that a property might be on sale for a long time. From scams, bad advice and legality, all the way to the owner being a fuckwit. Oh, can I say fuckwit on the pod? Oh yeah, I can say whatever I want because it's my pod. However, I may have to brand it as explicit, I suppose, for the first time, just so that we don't get banned on iTunes in India, I suppose. 
As usual, you can find all of the links in the show notes, and we hope you'll treat yourself and give yourself some time to read, listen, and inwardly digest all of that lovely, satisfying information. So anyway, on to the second part of the main podcast this week, and we continue on from where we were last month about how to save money on buying Valencia property. Last month, we started with the purely financial stuff. This month, some other tips which should save you loads of money. So the first thing is to use a property finder or buyer's agent. As we've mentioned in every podcast, you have the choice when looking for property in Spain. You can go it alone, use an estate agent, or use a property finder or a buyer's agent. And of course we say use Valencia Property, your buyer's agent. However, if our plethora of information, tips, tricks, the blog, the property descriptions, this podcast, and our social media presence, and even the initial consultation calls we offer for free don't convince you, then make sure to use another good company. You won't find anyone better, but you might find someone you prefer. We sort the wheat from the chaff. Try to get inside of your head and find out exactly what you want rather than trying to sell you what we have, like an estate agent does. And we'll give you impartial advice regarding the things you get shown. It's well worth the investment as you're likely to save thousands. Secondly, use a recommended removal company. One of the few times I'll ever say Facebook is quite useful for this because you should always use a recommended removal company. When you're transporting furniture or personal items, the range of companies offering to do it is huge and the prices you will get quoted are also hugely varied. It's not usually the case that the more expensive, the better they are either. Using a recommended company, and we have a few depending on where you are coming from, but asking the local Facebook group who others used and what their experience was is actually quite good in this particular case. Always make sure to ask removal companies about their full insurance as well, as a little money spent on insurance can save a lot of time and hassle further down the line. The third thing is to buy a furnished property. Listen, I know you have furniture you like at home and you want to bring it here and use it, but just think, it costs you to get it here, it was bought for another house, usually in another country, in another style, and it may be too big, too small, or just simply the wrong style. Consider buying a property that comes fully furnished, even if you don't like the furniture in the house you're buying. Furniture's not too expensive in Spain, and bit by bit you can replace the bits you don't like with an eclectic mix of things that may suit you and the property much better. And you also have the fun of searching out the right bits that suit your interior design requirements, or just the requirement to have a space and something to sit on. Equally, if you're coming from a country outside the EU, then the paperwork for getting your own furniture into the country, the shipping fees, the, any taxes, the paperwork, and the total and utter brain deadening of the process should really make you think twice before doing it. The fourth thing, use a lawyer and get a power of attorney. We've talked about this on the pod before. We've uh, also got an article about it, about power of attorney. The links are in the show notes. Using a lawyer may seem counterintuitive when looking at saving money on your Spanish property purchase as they cost money. And especially if you're buying at the lower end of the market, it adds a considerable cost to the purchase. However, not using a lawyer can be hideously expensive, as many people have found over the years after trusting the developer, agent, builder and their lawyers. Usually a brother-in-law or other family member just looking after their interests, not yours. Regarding giving the lawyer a power of attorney, 
This means they can sign for you, saving you the expense of another trip for signing for the property. And they can also do anything for you in the future when it comes up, rather than you having to fly out at short notice to sort out a problem. COVID make this step ultra important. Again, we have a blog post about this. Next one is to get a survey done. Now hold on, Graham, you said save money, not pay money out, and a survey costs money again. Well, again, a survey on a property, whether it's a walkthrough survey or a full survey, may bring up problems that you have overlooked when visiting a property and can save you from making the mistake of buying what may well be a money pit in the future or give you an idea of how much any potential problems will cost to remedy. This allows you better negotiating terms with the owner perhaps, although not always because the owners don't care about your report on the property. You can get away without a survey on most flats, but on houses, especially townhouses, we do recommend getting one done. The next thing is to buy from a horseman. What? Well, somebody selling a property who falls into the one of the four D categories of death, disease, divorce, and debt. See our post about the four horsemen of the Spanish property apocalypse. It's on the blog and we've got the link. It will give you a better deal if you're buying from someone who in that unfortunate situation than someone who doesn't need to sell and is just testing the market with their pricing. Where there is pain on the selling side, there is often a mutually beneficial solution that helps the buyer to get a good deal and helps the seller to get out of their situation. The next one is have a plan B. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Be prepared to walk away from a deal if the owner puts too many stipulations, inconvenience or traps in your way. Do not just set your heart on one property. Remember, a property is just bricks and mortar in the end. When you come to Spain to buy from abroad, in many cases you're buying the lifestyle, not the particular property. Obviously, the property is important, but it's not the be-all and end-all of the move. There are lots of properties for sale, although, as we keep saying, fewer every single month. Number nine, don't be afraid not to buy. When you buy, you pay 10% tax. You pay commissions, you pay notary, registry and store fees, and probably for a lawyer too. You may have already paid up front for a survey and the lawyer may have checked the property out and therefore charged you. Consider those upfront costs as a good investment in education if you decide not to buy. You'll have to pay them again on your next property, but if there are red flags, heed them. It's the gut feeling too. Is this the right property for you? If it is and there are no red flags, then go for it. However, if there is that little niggling feeling in the background and the lawyer says, no way, then listen. Don't feel the pressure to buy from the seller, even if that pressure comes from me as an agent. Lastly, ask awkward questions. Don't be afraid to be obtuse. Ask awkward questions to the lawyer, to the estate agent, the relocation agent, the property owner, the owner's dog, any neighbours, etc. Remember, it's a large investment to buy a property, even at a bargain price. So make sure you get the full information about the property before going ahead with it. Lots of people don't like to impose, don't like to embarrass others with questions, but they are essential. Knowing the full facts is important, so you must ask those questions. Your wallet will thank you in the end and you'll feel much happier buying your property. So there you go. Quite a lot of ways to save money. In some cases, a lot of money when buying property in Valencia or Spain. 
You can always get the best value in Spanish property by following these simple steps. You'll save thousands if you do them all, even if some of them require an upfront cost. Don't skimp on them and make sure to do them and your Valencia property purchase should go through without a hitch. So, for the last part of the podcast today, let's have a look at some of the worst places I have seen in Valencia over the last year or so. And the reason I say I is because, well, my colleagues haven't come up with those yet because we haven't had the time to sit down. We've been so busy this month. We haven't had time to sit down with a microphone, a couple of drinks to loosen some tongues to talk about what they've seen. So, I don't get to see many properties, the truth is, but I thought, well, Maybe this time, the ones that I've seen, I'll give you three of the worst that I've seen this year. And actually, one of the three I didn't see. But as you'll hear, somebody else did. So I think my favourite of the awful places we've had to see was one that was described as a duplex apartment with a large terrace in the Carmen in Valencia. So, just in case you don't know, the Carmen is the historic centre of Valencia. And a duplex apartment means it's on two floors. It was, supposedly... Five bedrooms, just one bathroom, but a large space, supposedly. When we got there, we had a few surprises. One of the rooms was closed because they had a dangerous dog in there. But of course, we already knew they had a dog because every wooden door frame was, shall we say, damp from the dog continuously marking its territory within the flat. Rotting wood all over the place from dog pee isn't something that people usually describe as one of the must-haves in an apartment. So we couldn't see that bedroom, but that didn't matter, as another bedroom was supposedly the same size, it's just a reflection of that one. Now, we couldn't get two people into that one at the same time, because it was their junk room as well. The honest truth is that every room was a junk room, but this was their official junk room. We could see the main bedroom though. Yay! And that one of course had the obligatory exorcist cross over the dark wooden bed and broken blinds meaning the single bare 40 watt bulb didn't really dispel the gloom. But the most glorious feature is that the apartment wasn't a duplex at all. It had two floors but they weren't connected. There was a staircase between the junk room and the dog room but it led to nowhere as the room above it had been sold to the neighbour some 50 years ago to add into their flat. So. You went up the stairs and you hit the ceiling. There was no hole. That was it. The other two bedrooms were above and below each other. And in order to connect them, you had to take a new staircase up from one of them to the other, essentially losing both bedrooms. So you've lost both bedrooms. You've got the mad dog bedroom. You've got the junk room bedroom and the cross bedroom. Anyway, when you get up to the one bedroom upstairs, the steps out to the terrace were about half a metre high up the wall. Now the terrace itself was huge, but you didn't own most of it. If you bought the property, you owned eight square metres. Then there was a low fence and the rest of the terrace was from the community. So let's just say that the lead photo of a huge terrace in the centre of Valencia that was on Idealista was somewhat misleading. So, small terrace, no staircase, no connection, dog piss and full reform needed. Not the greatest flat we've ever seen. However, the client wanted to see it. We did warn them and we did take them. This one might have been beaten by the hole in the ground though. At least there was something you could potentially work on there. 
We had a client over from the States who wanted to see some properties, but he really set his heart on one which he kept close to his chest until revealing that this was what he really wanted to see. I asked whether he knew what a render was. Do you know what a render is? Because as you might be able to guess from that word, a render essentially doesn't exist. It's a figment of the imagination of a designer and architect placed into reality via way of an advert on Idealista. Scheduled to be completed in 2026, which is quite a long way down the road at the time, it was four years away. If the clients put their cash down now, it looks dodgy as a property advert, just because of the long time scale, really. But when you know, like we do, with a little bit of background knowledge, that the original sales brochure for this property came out in 2008, just before the great financial crisis, then you might be able to guess that we were a little more than sceptical. The client insisted though, he still wanted to see it. I refused, but I said, you can go on Sunday morning when we've got some free time because um, we don't do visits on Sunday, but I can't be there and I'll send you the location. So using WhatsApp, like everyone in Spain does, I sent him the location and imagine my surprise when I got a WhatsApp at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning and he messaged, all I can see is an overgrown hole in the ground through a fence. And I said, well, of course, that's all that's there. There's a hole in the ground. I told you there wasn't a property there. Anyway, up to now, he still hasn't bought. I'm sure he will. And for today, let's go with a third choice of mine. In the next podcast, I hope my colleagues will be describing the worst ones they have seen. Mine was a townhouse I actually fancied taking a look at for myself. Sometimes you see a project and you think, well, that might work. Sometimes you're wrong. Well, that's what I thought with this one. I thought it worked well. It was 45 minutes in the car from the home, so a bit of a trek, but things can always be worth it, right? Right? Well, not in this case. I got there and there was a suspicious smell of damp. Not unusual in old houses that need a bit of modernization. In this case, a lot of modernization. The downstairs had been lived in some time ago and I suspect it had also been dyed in, but not too recently. The upstairs was what is known in Spain as diáfano, meaning no tiles, no walls, no bathroom, no pipes, no nothing really. And then there was another floor under the roof from where I had various views of the sky from which light was flooding in from outside. The agent said water doesn't get in when it rains, but Einstein wouldn't have been able to explain how it avoided getting in. There was also a second building to the rear. Interesting. This part was a sort of car park, but without any access for cars, unless you built a road through the house. But perhaps originally there may have well been a little path through the house for horses, pigs, goats, etc. This building had three floors too, and what estate agents would euphemistically describe as potential. What it also had though was half a roof, and the rest open to the elements, whether that be the usual sun and warmth, or alternatively the occasional torrential tropical downpour. And the back building was higher than the front, with a ramp down towards the back entrance of the house. So you might be ahead of me here. Where does the water go when that tropical storm hits? It most certainly wasn't down that 10 centimetre drain hole to the left of the back door, I suspect. And thus we have the full explanation of the damp issues downstairs, I believe. Now the house wasn't inherently terrible. It was priced decently, but it was so huge that I suspect the modernization would have been into six figures before it all got destroyed by the first flash flood caused by the Gota Fria of the autumn. And the Gota Fria is when we get those tropical flash floods in the autumn. 
So they're my three. Let us know if you've been to see any absolute horrors on your visits around with agents in Spain or anywhere else. Finally for today, on to our recommendations for this month. And as usual, there's an article, a property and a video. The article you should read is 112 Reasons to Move to Valencia. Why? Well, I took a lot of time writing it some years ago and it was inspired by a friend asking on Twitter this week, what one thing is good about the place that you live? Just one. I said, here's 112. The video this week is from one of our favourite YouTubers, James Blick. James this week put out a video of 12 things he hates about living in Spain. Take a look at the link in the show notes and subscribe to the channel because in a couple of weeks time James is going to put out a video of the best places to eat out and about in Valencia. And finally the property orange groves and history. If your dream is to be the owner of some extensive orange fields and a bit of history in the Valencian Campo then this old Masia may tick a lot of boxes. The price is 595,000 euros but you'll need more than that to buy this as a reform modernization is required. However, you would be buying a piece of history. Yes, you could live here as it is, but no heating apart from the wood burner and these old buildings do get cold in the winter. Old furnishings, Ikea is just 20 minutes away in Valencia City 25, a decent paint job required, new windows, do something to the whole excellent second floor area and think of a project to do it for. Maybe a wedding reception venue, small hotel or writers or yoga retreat, coat headquarters in the style of Waco or something even more inventive. You have around 700 metres of property over three floors, huge terraces overlooking copious orange fields, 50,000 square metres in fact, and plenty of space for parking to the front of the house and the small town of Benifayo, just three kilometres away, and Alginet, about four. You could live here in splendid isolation while at the same time being just a few minutes away from your favourite morning coffee haunt, a large gym in Benifayo, and just over 20 minutes to the beach, airport and fast trains. Even slow trains get into Valencia in just 22 minutes from Benifayo station. Oh, and did we mention how nice this place looks? Classical Valencian construction from the 1890s with a protected feature chimney. Take a look. And that's our podcast for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next month, of course. Did I say week? We'll be back next month. We're not doing one in the intervening time this time because we'll be going away for Fias. So we'll be back in April with the next podcast and at the moment I'm really not sure what we're going to talk about in that one we'll see until the next time speak soon